to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as Andre Smith Jr.'s hit on Justin Fields on the weekend. Man, that sack was vicious. Ooh, I feel bad, man. That's your boy getting a hit right there. The rookie, like, I mean, he got back up, so that was pretty good. Yeah, man, his helmet went flying. His headband came off. But, I mean, that was just a perfect example of why they're going to be starting Andy Dalton in week one over Justin Fields. It's not because Justin Fields isn't as talented as Andy Dalton. It's not because Justin Fields isn't better than Andy Dalton. It's honestly because that offensive line let him (laughs) walk right through untouched and demolish that quarterback. I mean, you got to protect that future investment. And, like, he obviously wasn't looking at that dude when he got decked. But, like, he's not looking because... Like, you should have that dude, so obviously they got to protect him. But, Matt, you were saying it was an interesting start to the season. Obviously, people are amped because football is preseason, at least, back. So, uh, the rookies, though, rookie QBs, left and right, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, going into the third week of preseason, so they cut down the preseason in the NFL this year to just three weeks. They added an extra regular season game. Um, So, you know, football's basically here. And there are so many rookie QBs that are going through the battles right now. Um, you've got Justin Fields in Chicago again. He's probably going to ha- start midway through the year and start lighting it up. Keep him on your uh, radar if you're a fantasy player because he's definitely going to be one to pick up if he does get the starting gig. Um, then you've got like J- uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's obviously going to start over Gardner Minshew. They, they just released that. They made him earn it. Um, I don't know what Urban Myers was thinking, but when you've got a guy who's considered the greatest prospect since John Elway, you're going to play him week one. I mean, hey, anything can happen. You know, the guy obviously was given an opportunity to show up, which, you know, Trevor did to, to, to prove that he deserves his spot, obviously, I guess. but he, you know. he honestly hasn't looked great, man, in preseason. I mean, that whole Jacksonville team kind of blows so it's going to be tough for him all year, but yeah, he didn't, he hasn't wowed just yet, but I think that's more to do with the the situation around him than it actually is to do with his own level of play. I mean, you, you can only do so much, right? You, you have to have a team, especially in football. Like it is so much more a team sport than I think any other of the major professional leagues. Like if your guy beside you, you can't rely on him. Oh man, I feel bad for the guy behind you because he needs to rely on all of you up front. 53-man rosters, man. It's a very heavy team sport. Uh, then you got the the second overall pick in, in Zach Wilson, who is showing out in preseason. Everyone's super excited about this kid. They're saying that he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers, potentially, because he can throw off platform. Uh, he's got a really nice uh, deep ball on the run, something that is kind of key in today's NFL. Like Guys like Rodgers, Mahomes, uh, Kyler Murray, those guys all can do it. Um, so they're looking at him as, as kind of the next guy to be able to do that. Though he's been playing backups for most of the preseason, so I never want to get too hyped about anything in preseason, so I'll believe it when I see it. The Jets are still one of the worst rosters in football. <laughs> there was a reason Sam Darnold didn't work out there, uh, so we'll see how, how that plays out. And then you've got, we're going to go to the third overall pick. I mean, all top three were, were quarterbacks. you got Trey Lance, who is honestly the least polished out of any of the players that were drafted in the first round. The guy had no starts last season because of the um, his conference. He played Division II football. They didn't play football last year. So he had like 
five passes completed after his first preseason game in like 530 days or something like that crazy stat and people want him to start over jimmy g i think they do what kansas city did and they keep him behind jimmy g just like mahomes behind Mm -hmm. alex smith they maybe get him a start at the last game of the season if they've got a playoff spot locked up i don't know if they will because that division's so tough and then they see what happens because at the end of the day you guys spent all that draft capital to get him you know he's going to be your starter of the future but the guy needs to play he needs to get reps he needs to get live action and practice because he hasn't played that much football in 530 days maybe maybe that's the logic of why maybe they want to start him because they're like oh let's just let him play you know we think he's ready but uh could be dangerous oh dude they have super bowl aspirations and jimmy g has taken them to a super bowl in the last two years uh, yeah. It's so funny because I see all these talk show hosts like, um, you know, debating about it, which one, and a lot of them are saying Trey Lance gives you a better shot of going to the Super Bowl and of winning the Super Bowl. Do you know how many rookie QBs have ever won the Super Bowl in NFL history? Like one or two? Zero. Do you oh, know how many man. rookie QBs have ever been to the Super Bowl? Tom Brady? Zero. <laughs> Not even the GOAT, okay? <laughs> oh, so Okay. Let's let's pump the brakes here. Maybe as a second year starter, he gets them to the Super Bowl, but not in his first year. So point proven. Yeah, and then you got the last quarterback taken with the fifteenth pick in Mac Jones, man, out in uh, New England. Cam Newton, COVID protocols again, second straight year. Uh, he, there was some mix up with him leaving the facility because he's an unvaccinated player, which is not the most courteous the, thing to do in today's NFL. world. It's the NFL. We, we don't need to go on about their problems. Yeah, you know, 90% are vaccinated. the players are vaccinated. So only 10% are affecting the league. Um, <laughs> and Cam Newton happens to be one of those 10%. Um, he, he let uh, Mac Jones get five extra days of practice without him around. So he got five days of the first team. And apparently the kid looks like a stud. Uh, lit the the New York Giants up in a, in a scrimmage the other day. I heard about that. Apparently, one. yeah, everyone was raving about him. So... Yeah, football's back, man. Lots of quarterback talk. But at the end of the day, like I'll tell you right now, Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl. And <laughs> I don't think the Bucks are going to make it back there. But hey, they proved me wrong last year, right? All year I was calling them the worst. That That's the thing. Hey, the good news is, from what you're saying here, is that my take from way back episode, I don't even know... Th- Something when I said you know that they were gonna go sixteen zero, Mahomes was gonna be, win the MVP. That's still alive. We could still say that that's gonna happen at least for the next little while. So hey, I'm pretty amped. Man, they can't go sixteen zero. They gotta go seventeen zero this year. Oh gosh. So there you have it. That's the problem, right? So I guess I guess I can't be right or wrong. So ugh, the struggles, Matt. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I'd laugh if they went sixteen and one. That'd be too good. <laughs> oh, I mean, hey, I would still be right, I guess. Oh, that'd be the worst, though. Oh, uh, yeah, man, you'd, you'd feel that one. But, man, we'll, we'll talk about football more when the season starts, actually. I'm not a big preseason hype kind of guy. I find that uh, NFL coaches are really just running plays that they're never going to run in the regular season. They don't want you to see their playbook. So they're going to they're gonna just run fake plays, and they're going to put out their backups. Not not I mean, a great predictor of what the season's going to look like. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right? And at the end of the day, football for me is always, I want to see the marquee matchups of the best teams, and then I want playoffs, and I want the Super Bowl. That's really what does it for me. So I'm in no rush myself. 
Yeah, man. An- another great little stat here about the preseason. There are two teams in NFL history to go 0-16. Um, both of those teams went 4-0 in the preseason. Pump the Wild. <laughs> Wild. There you go. That shows you the parody, the differences right there, Matt. But, uh, wow. Okay, I'm going to flip the script. Let's talk about the Jays first because Matt last week put the hammer down. He was like, they're not making it. They're not getting there. And, like, I swear, every time I've been out, because I've been out a couple times this week, Matt, it feels really weird. It's like the world is coming back together. Uh, I thought to myself, hey, the Jays look like they're doing good. They might be getting a win. Oh, Vladdy Jr., you know, he's hitting a big hit. But uh, as you're telling me, they're slipping, and that it's just too strong, and this, they may not make it all the way. Man, that division that they are in is just too tough. Uh, they had a pretty poor week uh, in terms of win-loss record. So they started slipping in the standings. It looks like my prediction is going to come true. I wish the Jays would make the playoffs just because it's more fun to have playoff baseball in Toronto. Uh, But uh, unfortunately, man, it's looking like they're going to miss. I feel like I went out during like their only wins this week. So like maybe I guess I should tell Allison that we have to go out more for the Jays hope for making the playoffs. But eh, it is what it is. You know, baseball's hard. That's also true. Also got to do it for grandma. But baseball's hard, right? There's only so many teams that get to make, you know, the postseason. And, and and that's why it's such like a cream of the crop sport at the end of the day. And if the Jays don't deserve to be there as much as, you know, they may have MVP level talent and Vladdy, they just don't deserve to be there, I guess. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, what it's coming down to is Boston, Tampa, and New York all have fabulous rosters. And so do we, but when you have a five-team division and the four teams in that division are some of the best in baseball, like entirely, you're going to have a tough time winning all the time, especially against when you have to play those teams so often. So it sucks, unfortunately, but... You got to beat at least one or two of them to just have a chance at the wild card, right? So, ugh, big pain. Yeah, absolutely, man. Huge pain. You did get your call right, though, man. We are going back, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're coming home, though. Yeah, we're coming home. Oh, gosh. Big pain going back to England. But, yeah, the Raptors back back in Scotiabank. I'm pumped. We'll talk about the schedule later because we'll close with that. Matt, one more thing before basketball. We have to talk about it. The world of European soccer these stars they're feeling like nba stars right now they're asking out they're saying we want to go here we want to go there two names two big names to talk about let's start with psg because psg has been the big team right now mbappe he doesn't want to be in Messi's shadow he's decided "Eh, i kind of want to get out of this situation even though legendary front three matt absolutely legendary what he could be and I hear they turned down a 160 million euro offer from Real Madrid. Whoo, that's yeah. some money right there. Yeah, buddy. They're looking for like 250 apparently. They really want extra money out of Real. Mbappe would love, I'm sure, to go dominate the Spanish league and be the, the only true superstar within it. Um, but hey, he's got a really good chance to win the Champions League. And that transfer window could not close fast enough if you were PSG right now. 100%, Matt. I was hearing some weird rumors about how maybe he was just trying to, like, up his stock before 
the next window opens or at the end of the season when his contract does end and then he can just go sign for big money where a team doesn't have to deal with big transfer but i mean they bought him for like 180 million euros so i think three years 20 million euros for mbappe's services is pretty good to pay if he's decided that he wants to be out but matt the other one the crazy rumor ronaldo to man city like his his agent apparently has reached out there's something going on ronaldo is i guess maybe done even though the management at juventus is like no he's gonna be here for the rest of the season like what's the word matt well what i've heard man is that it's almost a guaranteed done deal that he's going to man city though crazy man city wants to sign him for free uh you uv's looking for i think somewhere in the ballpark 50 million euro so well, I heard like 30 million euros, so that's okay. crazy. So 30 to 50 million, whatever in that range. They're looking for some compensation back. Um, and City's just like, no, give them to us, man. <laughs> Which is kind of funny that you'd go to City after playing for United for all those years and, and really becoming the true superstar that he was on United. Um, but hey. I mean, City's the cream of the crop of the, of the man teams right now, right now at this point. Yeah. So if he's going to go back to... The Premier League, like if he's gonna do that, like, well, I mean, it, it wouldn't be the worst decision, right? Like, he is that type of player, he can determine where he wants his future to be spent. Because, I mean, at, he's earned that as the second best player of our generation that we've watched, yeah, definitely, man. He's definitely earned that as the second best for sure. <laughs> All right, any, anything else of the European football world, or shall we move on? No, nah, man, I think we're good to go to the basketball court because. I've been missing it, man. I mean, summer league's done. We're kind of in a dead period after a free agent frenzy. We did get some interesting news, though. I mean, you call it interesting. I preferred your earlier comment about how we're in a dead period and we got some, like, semi-dead news. Now, I gotta stop ripping on Bud. He's a championship NBA coach at this point. The guy gets a three-year extension. I mean, I'm pretty amped for, for Giannis because Giannis does like Bud as a coach, so... Giannis gets his quote-unquote guy, right? And at this point, you and I just want Giannis to be happy and fight for more playoff moments because while we don't know if this Bucks team can be a defending champion that comes back and defends their title and repeats, like, I mean, we're going to talk about it later. They're definitely the best team in their division. Yeah, man. They are 100% the cream of the crop in that division. I think they were the only team from their division to make the playoffs last year, Detroit being one of the worst teams in the NBA, along with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, So, hey, we'll talk about that division. I have high hopes for Giannis. I don't have high hopes for Budenholzer. I think that, yes, he makes adjustments from game to game, but to be truly an elite coach at the Greg Popovich, the Steve Kerr. Um, I'm going to throw Nick Nurse in there because, you know, Toronto Raptors. <laughs> to be at that level, you got to make in-game adjustments. you got to see what's happening mid-game and be able to, you know, game plan and solve it in the moment or else you're going from game to game hoping that your plan works and that's not how you win series. I mean, you win series because players get injured and you got Yanni. That's about it. Look, he's got the opportunity now to grow, right? Like, he secured himself an extension. He, I think he was his third year with the Bucks is when they got this championship, right? So, like, well, we and a lot of others may not have a ton of faith in Budenholzer right now, he has been given an opportunity to have some safety. And, 
you know, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, Matt, like, I think he's got two years to prove himself. And I was joking with you earlier today, you know, the organization just threw, like, a team option on his two-year deal, basically, because, you know, coach on their final deal, we, we can fire them. That's no big deal. Not that I'm advocating for coaches getting fired. Like, let's take <laughs> care of our people, obviously, but... You know, we will see. Time will tell. Budenhoser gets his bag. Like, you know, I can't be upset. The guy's a championship coach. Your mentality, Matt, you've said it how many times? You don't let a championship coach leave after a championship season. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what happened to the Washington Capitals when they let Barry Trotz go. And the New York Islanders have been reaping the benefits ever since. So... I think that was a little bit of a different situation, though. I mean, Washington was always on the cusp of winning, and then they got Barry Trotz, and Barry Trotz finally pushed them over after having such a fabulous career in Nashville. I mean, he was their only head coach for the first 15-plus seasons of their existence. So he's obviously got a great track record. He is a great coach. Very different situation. Budenholzer has some some issues. He did really well in Atlanta with with those teams, but, I mean, could never do it in the playoffs. Yeah, great regular season coach always, even even with those older teams. And you and I still believe it's the Giannis Carey job. We now have the future. So, Matt, we're going to flip into – I don't know if you have anything else you want to say, but we're going to flip into our off-season conversational topic of choice. So last year, Matt, crazy that I can get to say last year, our conversation topic of choice was the quote-unquote GOAT debate. We talked about greatness – Matt did absolutely everything that he could to try to convince me that LeBron is the GOAT. You mean I did convince you? Yeah, I mean, hey, man, this season, I don't know if it convinced, convinced, reconvinced me after that. But, hey, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But this year, I came up with this idea I wanted to talk with Matt. We got eight weeks left until the NBA season starts. So why not, you know, take a week to break down each of the different divisions, look a little closer, look at the teams, look at their offseason decisions, and try to figure out the best of the smaller crop and you know we were talking about Giannis obviously he is the guy right now even if Kevin Durant is the other half of the MVP best player in the league right now debate in the main media but let's talk about this central division Matt we've mentioned a few names so far obviously the Bucks are the defending champions you know we've kind of got two tiers after that right we've got the up and coming middle of the pack Bulls and Pacers fighting for that next step. And then also we've kind of got the reset teams at the bottom with Cades Pistons and what I'm going to call the mysterious Cavs because I don't really know what that team is going to be this year. Yeah, I think uh, they have one of the more interesting rosters uh, at the bottom of the table um, because what they have in Jared Allen and in Evan Mobley is fantastic right for for a front court duo to be i think allen's like 23 and and mobley's just 19 and then you've got darius garland who had a he had a fabulous season last year man Uh, anytime a second year guard can average 17 points um with six assists on 45 percent shooting almost 40 percent from deep and 85 from the line like he's on an upward trajectory colin sexton had a massive year as well um it'll be interesting to see what they do with him because there are those rumors that they're going to move off of him. They don't want to pay him the max money. They don't think that he's worth that max contract. And with Garland having that season, why wouldn't you look to move off of him? And and how does how does Rubio fit into the conversation as well, right? Like that's the question you have to ask yourself. Because at the end of the day, 
they're a young team, right? They're a team that's trying to find themselves in the world, these Cavaliers. But picking up Rubio, he kind of gives you a chance that if you don't trade Sexton, if you're not willing to move off of him, you can find a guy that can come in and find rotational minutes. Matt, for me, I have a lot of hope for Isaac Okoro. I'm hoping for a bounce back year. He was my rookie of the year pick. I'm going to stick with him. You know, I don't want to give up on this guy. Why did I pick a cute Cleveland Cavalier? We'll never know. There's obviously, of course, the unmentioned Kevin Love situation. Another year off his contract, though, we have to say the untradeable, awful, terrible contract that Kevin Love has, it's another year down, right, Matt? Yeah, it's getting better. Uh, so maybe a team will look to to kind of pick that up. They don't have much depth at that power forward spot. I mean, Larry Nance Jr. would be right behind him. Um, Isaac Coro's already a, a smaller uh, small yes. forward anyway, so I, he couldn't go up to that that power forward spot. And like C.D. Osmond, like are you going to throw him out there as your power forward? Probably not. Uh, I do like what you said about the Ricky Rubio thing. Having him on the roster really gives him that insulation. Um, as as an NBA veteran, he's obviously not going to be an all star. Um, yeah. He's going to obviously dominate in passing the ball, not necessarily scoring the ball, which kind of complements a guy like Colin Sexton. So they've got options on the bo- bottom of that roster. I just don't see them doing much, man. Honestly, if they're in the the top. 25 teams in the league i would be shocked i mean i i brought you here because they're the bottom team in this division for me which means since we were talking about how this is you know without the bucks probably one of the worst divisions in basketball unfortunately in terms of competitiveness there's always going to be a team that falls to the bottom and while i like what rubio can provide for someone like sexton for his off-ball abilities you're right i think that they're small and not small in the good way that like I think the Raptors are that we'll talk about later, but you know, it's it's hard, right? That's why I called them the mysterious cast, because I just don't know what this team is gonna be. Can Jared Allen take, you know, the responsibilities as a starting center, as a full time stud for this team? Will Kevin Love play? Cause guess what? He kinda has to with this team at this point. Unless Larry Nance is actually gonna come out and become more of a stud. I don't know if he's has an injury right now. I can't exactly remember, but Time will tell. It's the Cavaliers. Their history hasn't been great without LeBron James. So absolutely, I think Kevin Love needs to to get on the court and really show that he's worth a team trading for him. Somebody picking picking him up uh, at a league level low. Uh, maybe he can work a buyout if he has a decent season with the Cavs and go into the buyout market to try and chase a championship. Because he can still be a serviceable player, man. When he played for the Minnesota Timberwolves, he was one of the most dominant power forwards that we've ever seen in the game. So Prime Prime K Love was a problem. Yeah, a massive problem. And I think Jared Allen, he's gonna answer your question about whether he can be a starting center. I think that he can. His stats did go up after the trade from Brooklyn to, to Cleveland. He got more steady minutes, he was he was more involved. I think that the only thing that could really hurt him is Mobley is how they use Mobley, how they use him together. Um, Does Mobley steal some of his minutes? Does that take away from his confidence? I think that's going to be the biggest question mark in their front court. Um, But again, they're going to give the ball to to Garland and Sexton, um, let them do their thing, and and hope that Mobley and and Allen can be rim runners, and uh, Isaac Coral can help them out on the defensive end. But that's about it for that team, man. They've got, a, they've got a lot of upside potential uh, in the future. They're a really young roster, right? But I think Colin Sexton, or Jared Allen's the oldest one of those four at, at 23. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
it's for me what you're looking at is you're looking at a young unproven Golden State Warriors type of situation with Mobley where he's kind of like has the potential to go the Wiseman style route which isn't something that I really want for him because obviously you know Wiseman hasn't really proven himself in the NBA at this point in time but it's the Cavaliers right but yeah we can definitely move on from the Cavs like there's nothing too much to talk about here Pistons? Is the Pistons times, Matt? Is that where you want to go? Yeah, man. I mean, if we're going to start working our way up from the bottom, I, I would even have uh, Detroit near the bottom with Cleveland. I think depending on how well Kate Cunningham plays in his rookie season, that'll determine whether or not they're a better team than Cleveland. I mean, Jeremiah Grant had a fabulous season last year. Uh, what he averaged? Like 22, uh, 4.6, 2.8. On pretty good shooting numbers, he shot 35 from three, uh, had a 16.9 per, which isn't elite for a guy who scores that much. You know, it's it's pretty middle of the road, but um, I think you know he's he's a good player. Killian Hayes, I think maybe should should develop a little bit better. I was reading um, the issue there is going to be how much are you trying to let Cade Cunningham take over and be the superstar, the number one overall draft pick that you drafted him to be, while That's also true. getting Killian Hayes' development. Um, they were comparing it to a Luka Doncic, Dennis Smith Jr. situation um, from a few years huh. ago. When Luka came in, Dennis Smith Jr. had a fabulous rookie season the year before after being the ninth overall pick. And then he completely is almost washed out of the league after Luka takes his spot. He goes to the Knicks, he goes to Detroit, and now he doesn't even have a job at 23 years old, a former ninth overall pick who has hops, man. He was in the dunk competition for a reason, right? Yep. Yep. So it's crazy what that kind of being um, almost jumped in the pecking order by a younger player, that kind of effect on your psyche can have. Because I think that's what really kind of shut down Smith Jr.'s career. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do with Hayes here. The, the Pistons are weird. The Pistons are weird because everyone is like, Detroit basketball is back, right? But Cade has to decide if he's going to be the superstar, if the team is going to let him be the superstar. You know, Dwayne Casey, as much as, you know, we as Raptors fans always laugh about Dwayne Casey, yeah, yeah, he is a massive part of what we built in Toronto. He's a massive part of our organization's history, like what Kyle and DeMar became, which allowed what the rest of these young guns could become was built through Dwayne. And I'm interested to see what Casey can do with this young team, if he can unlock Cade, if he can unlock the possibilities of Killian Hayes. My boy Seku Dumbuya, I also think is a good, feasible NBA player and I think has a future. And if he can find rotational minutes, like obviously, you know, Jeremy Grant, proved himself as the player for this team and he's going to be that power forward like you know Kelly Olenek's good Jaleel Okafor unfortunate his career let's not get into that but Isaiah Stewart that center position it has openings for small ball situations and Grant has proven that he can play it and Seku I think also has the capabilities defensively to play center if needed in certain stretches yeah no I, I would agree with that man uh, the fact that Sadiq Bay also had a very quiet, uh, underrated rookie season. Um, he shot very well from, from three at 38%. Um, I think he was worth 3.3 win shares, which is pretty good as a rookie. I mean, yeah. Killian Hayes, I think, was negative 1.1. So 
you're looking at two different rookies um, drafted very close to each other, um, and you can see the positive impact that Sadiq Bay has. I think Josh Jackson could be a breakout candidate for this team. Him and uh, Hamidou Diallo. I Hamdu really Di- Hamdu Diallo. Ham, well done, Hamdu though. Diallo. I really well like uh, what this guy brings. I think he has an underrated game. Uh, he had a pretty good purr in Winchair last season. Um, I think that they they have a deeper roster potentially than the Cavs, and maybe that's why you know we put them over them. But yeah, it really kind of comes down to what Cade Cunningham's going to provide, man. Because if he is, you know, a Luka Doncic-esque type player from the get-go, which I don't expect him to be. Um, very few players are, and Luca was very polished coming out of the European Pro League. Um, you know, they could be a, a in contention for a wild card spot, <laughs> but I don't see that, man. I see them in the bottom five of the conference, um, better than last year. But hey, man, they're young. They're young. Yeah. They don't have they don't have the same proven veteran talent that the Cavs have, for example. Even though vet proof. Proven veteran talent is Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio, maybe Jared Allen a little bit. But like, that's that's the thing. Like, but I look at I look at what you say about Josh Jackson. I even think Frank Jackson, who is like a, a well off the list player at this time, like they have a lot of players that have the potential, if given the opportunity, to come out and play for those minutes. And you know, as long as Dwayne likes what he's seeing, he's going to give those players minutes. So that's why the Pistons. I'm relatively high on. I think that their ceiling could be the third best team in this division. I think obviously they could be the worst team in the division, which wouldn't be bad. Obviously, it gives you another stud beside Cade. Like, I mean, you throw Chet Holmgren into this, you get a guy that is a center to rotate with Grant, Sadiq Bay, Cunningham. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. You could create a crazy dominant future with yeah, that type of situation. Absolutely crazy dominant future. And your point about them being a very young roster. I think they've got six key rotational pieces right now. And uh, Luca Garza is probably going to get some time here. Sadiq Bey, um, Siku, Killian Hayes, Cade, Isaiah Stewart, all under the age of 22. That's wow. that's crazy. So, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna obviously develop. And I think Dwayne Casey's the perfect coach to develop him, develop them because we saw it here in Toronto what he was able to do for guys like Kyle and Demar. Um, so. I'm all for it. We'll, we'll, they'll be a fun team to watch uh, just because of the, the youth on their team, for sure. Uh, I enjoy that they're so young that I get to like include them in when I'm thinking about them for missing the playoffs or doing this, and I get to really look at that team because I enjoy them, obviously. like Us missing Cade makes me sad, but at least they're on a team that I kind of pay attention to because I kind of enjoy paying attention to Detroit. Then on a team I downright don't like because of their location or their history or how much they've destroyed the Raptors. So, hey, you know, I'll enjoy getting to look back at this team. But Matt, a team that I don't care about as much, unfortunately, is the Pacers, right? The obvious middle ground in this division, like, I think that they could be as high as second, obviously, like you've potentially said, or they could be the worst team in this division if they decide to go Orlando-style and fire sale when this team doesn't come together. But Matt has a lot of faith. Matt believes in Sabonis. Matt believes in Turner. Matt believes in uh, Karis LeVert. Like, you know, I mean, obviously, there's hope for this team. Obviously, the Pacers aren't going to fall too far. But, I mean, for me, they just haven't proven it yet. Look, dude, I mean, they were 34-38 and 38 last year. Uh, they made the play-in. TJ Warren only played 15 games for them last year. 
So he'll be That's back, true. hopefully healthy. I really like Malcolm Brogdon. I, I think I've made that pretty clear. I think he's a very championship-level caliber player on a, on a team. I think he can start at the point guard position and be a championship-level player. Um, like, honestly, if you look at his stats from last season and then Drew Holiday's stats, they're <laughs> not too dissimilar. And if you had same wavelength flipped in spots, I mean, I bet you it would be almost identical, the results for, for Milwaukee. Um, I like Karis LeVert actually getting a full season with them, getting to work in the offseason and, and be a part of the preseason. I think TJ McConnell's a super underrated player. I mean, for a guy who averages less than 10 points, he has a 16.9 per and a 4.8 win share. Like, that is very high stats for a guy who underlying stats for a guy who doesn't necessarily give you what the box score is all about but he's hustle man yeah there's a lot going on there that you don't get to see in terms of pure analytics pure statistics but man i like that you bring that up because that's something that i don't know as much about this team like i knew teji mcgonna was a feasible player but those stats the the absence of stats actually you know it gives me it gives me some excitement there for this team, but it's the bench. It's I don't know if I believe enough in, you know, the rest of the squad outside of the starters. And obviously, having Sabonis and Turner is an experiment, right? It is a two towers experiment style because Sabonis and Turner are both naturally better when they get to play at the center position. Whether or not if they could figure it out, they would be naturally better as the C and power forward together is to be proven. If you know that is what the coaches are going to do this year. Yeah, I think that's a tough one. Uh, Sabonis is definitely your better offensive player, while Miles Turner has a better effect on the on the defensive end. Um, they're pretty similar in terms of their shooting percentages, um, but again, Sabonis is a is a much better scorer. He averaged twenty points last year for a reason, twenty and twelve, with almost seven assists. Like that's fabulous numbers for a big guy like that. I think he took he had a huge breakout year last year, and I think it's going to be one of the reasons why they do make the playoffs this year and potentially push Chicago out of that number two spot in this division. I know you're really high on Chicago, but I really like what, what Indiana does. I didn't like that they fired Nate so quickly, but they brought in Rick Carlisle, established NBA veteran coach. We'll see if they can put it together, but I think you might be right about the Orlando thing when they get towards the, the NBA trade deadline, if they're not in a great position, they might fire Sadal. I was reading I was reading a really interesting like written piece from a from a true Pacers fan talking about his organization and why they aren't gonna fire Sell, why they can't at the end of the day, they're a team that has to compete. They're a team that has to be in the playoffs so that they can be competitive, they can get revenue from their fans. And if they if they have too many years outside of the playoffs Maybe people don't care enough. That's why when, you know, the Paul George era was at its prime, the team was super amped. That's why they really wanted Oladipo to come out and be a start, you know? So, obviously, I would love for the Pacers to be good. I like a lot of players on this team. Will they come out and prove themselves? Time will tell. It's why I have the Bulls higher, man. It's because I like more players in that team. I think that they're proven. I think that they're going to come together. And, obviously, there was a lot of struggle after the Vucevic trade. But, hey... If DeRozan can come in and keep doing what he's doing, but now with certainly much, much better teammates than what he had in you know San Antonio, San Antonio. In the past few years, Levine gets his teammates, Ball gets to be the 
playmaking guard that he loves to be with all-star level players around him, how can you not think that this team is going to have huge upside? Unless, of course, it all falls apart. The the issue for me when it comes down to this team is that, yes, the Vucevic trade kind of hampered them at the end of last season, but they're trying to fit in a new player with Laurie Mark- Markkinen, whose stats went down after the trade. I mean, Vucevic took up a lot of air in that room for him. Um, and Lonzo Ball, I think, is a, is a much more effective player when he is playing downhill when he is being a little bit more aggressive. He's got a very similar game to his brother. I think the major difference between LaMelo and Lonzo is LaMelo is aggressive. He is dangerous all the time. He's willing to do a spin around shot. He's willing to take a very, very deep three because he has a lot of confidence in his abilities. Whereas He's I think, a hunter. Yes. Whereas Lonzo is kind of sitting back and, and kind of looking to get through a maze a little bit more which i think limits him and that's where i think he clashes styles with levine and demar because those two players have to be attackers um demar's not really a spot-up shooter uh neither is levine they're they're both great scorers both great at the mid-range levine was i think the free throw percentage i think he was five percentage points away from having a 50 40 90 season averaging 27 points a game which is wild but it comes down to me for demar he has the second highest win share of any player in this division other than Giannis. so it's yanni then demar i think it's gonna fall down a lot on him i like what vucevic uh, does especially from three the guy shot 40 percent from three and i really like kobe white i think kobe white's gonna take a step forward and i wonder how the lonzo signing impacts that as well i think there's there could be a lot of headbutting in that locker room which i think isn't conducive to a great team my hope is that the headbutting doesn't come about because this team realizes that they can play ridiculously high tempo basketball because you made a comment about how they all need to attack. Great. If you move the ball, if you hustle, and you have Damar, Levine, Lonzo with the ball running around, Vucevic setting screens, um, the Patrick Williams, I think, is an underrated rookie and is going to come out with these kids and absolutely kill it. You forget about the fact that Alex Caruso, one of the best three-point shooters for the Lakers in the past few years, and he's going to get to come in here and maybe just take spot-up threes, change his you know mentality. Like This is where it comes in for me. I, even Alfred Camino, I think, is an amazing three-point shooter. If Troy Brown Jr. can also shoot, like if they can keep the tempo moving, if they can all realize that they can come together, keep the ball constantly flowing, if Billy Donovan can pull these guys together... This is why I'm high on this team. Because I think that they can outgas teams. Yeah, their defense might be weak, but they're going to be able to get dunks at will. If you know, we talk about needing to be open. If DeMar can be one of the greatest, you know, mid-range shooters, which is what he does, is he's finding his shots from the mid-range. That's what he likes to do in the modern NBA. If he can do that with this team when you have Lonzo being able to make plays, when you have Levine pushing to the net as much as he does when you can have Caruso open in the corner like you're high on Kobe White we haven't seen what Kobe can do with a competent team I don't know man all I do is talk and I keep convincing myself that I like the Bulls so how can I not want to believe that this team could be the second best team in this division 
honestly after that rant man i think you you got me a little bit there um i completely forgot about the underrated rookie season patrick williams had um i think he gives them a defensive stopper in that lineup which i completely forgot about next to alfarik aminu um i think their defense is gonna suffer a little bit though um i do like lonzo ball on defense he is a good plus defender uh but tamar's not um neither is markinen so it'll be tough for them to score enough points to to win enough games but you're right they've got they've got a ton of talent alice caruso i forgot about yeah so you're you're convincing me here i get you they they just have to make it work right like it's billy donovan's second year He's had certain teammates, because I think half the team is going to be new for him, having to come together. And the East is in a weird place, right? Like, a lot of teams are trying to figure out where they're going to fall, what type of, you know, food is going to be available for them in this, you know, crazy, you know, jungle-like environment that the East has become, because there's so many teams that are capable, you know, that really want to be part of that playoff push. And, you know, if you're the Bulls, you want to push to be the second best team because at the end of the day, Matt, I'm sorry. Nobody is dethroning the Bucks in this group. Budenholzer or not, Giannis is the best player and the Bucks is the best team in this division, bar none. Yeah, I I think uh, you you hit it right on the head. Um, the Bucks are definitely going to be the best team in this division. Uh, you've got Yanni. I don't even know if we need to go over it. They're the, the defending <laughs> NBA champions. What more can we say about them that hasn't already be, been said? Um, I don't think that they're going to necessarily have a strong case to repeat. I think um, if the Nets can stay healthy, they're probably going to take him out, uh, which is unfortunate for, for Yanni. But hey, man, he seems to be enjoying that championship. He was at the WWE event last night, standing on the ropes. Uh, looking like he's having a great time in the bucket hat. So, hey, man, uh, got to enjoy it while you can. <laughs> uh, I'm still a believer of, like, what the confidence will do for this team in their last playoff run. I really like the semi Ojale pickup. But, yeah, we don't need to talk about this team, Matt. We can talk about the Raptors. We can talk about the fact that it's happening. It's coming home. It's coming home to Toronto. Basketball is coming home. Thank God. Toronto Raptors. They're going to get to start the season at Scotiabank. I think, Matt, seven of the first ten games are going to get to be played at Scotiabank Arena. Thank you to the schedule makers. They know what we struggled through. Matt, I threw the stats to you last season about how difficult it was for us to play 72 games of the season. But, Matt, I'm just super amped. I can't believe that October 7th we're going to get preseason games and then October 20th. Our opener against the Wizards at home. A nice little underhand toss from the NBA to try to give us a W. Yeah, I think that was a really nice throw for them. Um, I'm really pumped about our schedule. I think that we could have a really solid beginning to our season, which we did not have last year, which I think Amen. really, really held us back all season. It got into our heads. But the Raps are going to be playing what is it, seven games in a span of 10 days from the 20th to the 30th to start the season. Um, yeah. And then they've got a game uh, on the on the 1st of November as well against the Knicks. I could see us going somewhere 5-2, and 4-3. and three. Um, You know, we're definitely probably going to split the Pacers games um, just because I, I think that's what we do with the Pacers, and I do like the roster. We just talked about it. We're definitely going to beat the Magic. 
um, and the Wiz. I think you could chalk those up to wins. And then the Bulls, the the Dallas games, and the uh, Celtics games are all kind of toss-ups for me. Uh, depending on how we come out, you know, how we how we mesh right away, it'll it'll be a it'll be a challenge. But I think we can have a pretty good start to the season, man. What do you think? I mean. You mentioned the four three five two. Obviously, it could also be flipped the other way, and we could be two five. But I'm thinking positive. I'm really amped. You know, I look at that October 29th game, and like I'm hoping that Suggs has you know his injury kind of dealt with because I think that's a big, big game for a lot of fans between these two organizations. Getting to see the four and the five pick face each other to see potentially who is the better option yada 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 but I mean obviously I, I'm looking forward to seeing the Bulls having DeRozan come back to play at Scotiabank that's always a big deal we love DeMar in Toronto absolutely. we always absolutely will he's our boy he is the kid from the six not actually from the six but like his basketball youth grew up in the six so hey I'm pretty pumped I think our preseason games you know 76ers in Boston like that's a pretty big uh, gut punch like that could be pretty hard but if we come out and have a bounce back win, you know, 11 days later against the Wizards and get that W in the first game in Scotiabank Arena in who knows how long, Matt, I would be really amped as a fan. Hey, dude, I would rather have tougher preseason games to get us ready for this uh, this season. Um, you know, show us where we are, maybe a good measuring stick. I really want to see what this roster has to do, man, because like you mentioned with um, I believe it was, um, was it Detroit that you said that they've got like small ball switching potential? Uh, like well, Raptors? I, mean, I just yeah, they kind of have to because they don't have a true true center on that team. Yeah, between uh, Olenek, Okafor, and Stewart. Yeah, I, I think yeah. you're you're right. That's that's the team that you said that had some options, um, but they're not like the Raptors, man. Because our small ball unit, I could be very deadly. I think our starters are definitely going to be Freddie, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Siakam, and Kaimi Birch. Um, I think we're going to pull Boucher off the bench, which is going to be, you know, he's going to be the sixth man of the year this year. I am going to call okay, that but, right now. But does Boucher start for the first month or two while Siakam is out and injured? Or does Scotty get his opportunities if he comes out and proves that he's capable defensively and can continue to work on his offensive talent? That's my question, Matt. I think they start Barnes uh, just to see what he can do uh, because you would what I would I would have in that lineup if I don't have Siakam is I'm going to... Obviously, Freddie's my number one option. Gary Trent's going to be my second. And then OG Ananobi's going to be my third. Um, yeah. With the other guys kind of getting spot opportunities, I wouldn't even have them doing that much on the offensive end, Scotty and, and Birch are going to be more of the defensive anchors on that unit, even with guys like Freddie and, and OG, who are all defense NBA potential. And then pulling Boucher off the bench, man, is going to be nice. Having Fred, uh, or I mean, uh, Malachi Flynn out there too. Yeah. Like they've got some, some deep players. I, I think they're going to be good, man. I honestly think they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. I don't think they're going to be amazing, but hey, if we can develop, we might we might be a, a championship contender in a few years. Um, I'm hoping that Masai just like pulled Boucher aside and it was like, look, look, dude, I want you to be the sixth man of the year. I want you because I think that he's primed to absolutely be a stud. He's already proven he has the confidence to be a three point shooter, and I think I think he's 29 now. I think 
it's now or never for Boucher to have his moment. And if he's like, yeah, you can come off the bench. If you're on, especially in the first two months, yeah, you can definitely close out games. But let's go for six man of the year. Let's give you that award. Let's do something because you're capable. And why not fight for Boucher to be in mismatches? His biggest problem defensively is that people will find him in the mismatch and they'll take advantage of it. Or the bigs, the true center bigs, take advantage and back him down. So go play off the bench. Absolutely shut down kids. He was a G League MVP for an absolute reason, reason. right? Like, sixth man of the year, Boucher. I'm pretty sure he was my wild card sixth man this year. Like, I'll give it to him again. Like, I want to see it. I definitely want to see it, man. I think that he's he's definitely got that high-end potential. All year they were talking about it. Uh, the only issue is that we had to throw him into the starting lineup so often because of our absolutely atrocious centers before. But hey, man. <sighs> Injuries, too. It's a new season. They're in Toronto. I'm just happy about it. Oh, Matt, it's a feel-good day. I mean, it was also like a feel-good time. I think it was like six days ago, classic Matt, right after we record. They let us know that they're 100% happening in Toronto, but it was all me. It was all me, my prediction last week, so I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try again, you know, something that I think might have the opportunity because I, Matt has no faith. He does not believe in me in this, but... I like Cade. I like the Pistons. I think they have a lot of capabilities. I'm big on Seku Dumbuya. So I want to see them not be the bottom of this division. I want to say that the Pistons are going to come out and be the fourth best team in this five-team division. Yeah, I mean, putting Cleveland below them, he got the possibility there. We'll see what happens. I don't know if I love that. I think they might still be at the bottom of the barrel, especially if uh, Cade can't pop like they expect him to. Um, for me, man, I think Karis LeVert is going to be an all-star for Indiana. They were, um, I think, 18 and 17 with him last year. And then they were, I think, uh, 16 and 21 without him. So that's a big difference. That's a good swing. He has the opportunity to, to really step into that role as, as an elite scorer. Because <laughs> the guy's dropped 50 points in a game before, so he can do it. I think he's going to be he's- an all-star. He's definitely proven himself. That's actually a really good call, Matt. I think that's a nice, like, I don't want to say it's a safe take because it's in no way a safe take, but also it's definitely not a wild out there, like, loading your gun, firing it into the atmosphere, thinking (laughs) you're going to find some aliens to shoot at. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good solid take that could definitely come true. Thanks, boss. Appreciate it. And he's also Marissa's favorite player. Oh, right. I always forget that. Okay, yeah, that's, we got to be big for, for the right here. Okay, Matt. Anything else this week, man, or shall we take it out? No, man, I think we're good. You can wrap us up. Beautiful. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like and subscribe if you're listening from YouTube. And check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.